Welcome to Puppet Hunt Radio with Matt and Lane. And the dog. And the dog. Out. Out. Episode four. Stay. All right. Welcome to Puppet Hunt Radio with Matt and Lane. Matt and Lane. This is a fantastic surprise. It's a little odd, but we have a fourth reel-to-reel tape that came in the original box. And so for those of you who are concerned or wondering... along at home. It was somehow set aside when the original box was opened and somehow got stuck under the leaf at the bottom stratified of the box. stratified no i thought you set it out and then there's the laundry well i mean yeah because then i set on top put of the that. laundry in the box because i didn't want to do it i put it aside put it in the box put that in the laundry room then i dumped it all out on the sofa yesterday and that's when i found it all right it's on top of the and it sounds a little different from the way you explained it on the phone but in any event, there was a reel-to-reel tape that was delivered with the original c- collection, and now we have a new episode to present to you. It's called Tongue and Cheek. T-U-N-G. Yes. So, pronounced tongue. Uh, Matt, look that up. Um, but that is not, uh, obviously, what you would... The normal expression is spelled like a mouth tongue. Um, did you... You looked up what this kind of tongue is? Yes. And what would that be? Uh, it's a type of uh, oil that's uh, that's used in finishing wood, wood finishing. Ah, I see. So mm-hmm. this might be a reference to the to the oil that's used to create the puppets. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm eager to hear it. I'm e- eager to share it with the world. And um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy Puppet Hunt, Tongue and Cheek. Episode 4. And now a brief word about Satin Gloam before we begin our show. I've heard so much about Satin Gloam. Flugate's new squeeze-on makeup. Is it as good as I hear? Why, yes. Satin Gloam is a thin oil that goes on easy and makes your complexion more lovely and delicate. Just like one of those Dresden dolls we hear so much about. Is that why it's used by the stars of today? Yes. Over one-third of Hollywood stars use Satin Gloam, Flowgate's new squeeze-on makeup oil lotion. Is it a paste or an oil? Well, it's scientifically formulated, but I'll make it simple for you. It's both. No more messy powders or pastes. What about my skin tone? Satin Gloam, Flowgate's new squeeze-on makeup lotion cream, contains secret ingredients that are activated by your skin's own natural emollients, literally by magic to keep your skin color at its lightest possible shade. I don't know. It sounds expensive. My husband may not like that. Well, it's cheaper than you think. A 42-ounce tube is only pennies on the dollar. You save money because you use less. Simply squeeze out a dime-sized dollop of Satin Gloam, Flowgate's new squeeze-on makeup oil cream, directly onto your face and slowly work it into your skin. You'll find that you feel more delicate, fragile, helpless, and attractive in less than 30 minutes. I'm all out of questions. What shall I do now? Why, ask your husband if you can visit your local grocer and pick up a tube. Yes, Satin Gloam, Flowgate's new squeeze-on makeup. Squeeze one today. And now, Flowgate presents Puppet Hunt, Episode 4, Tongue and Cheek. The mansion of oil magnate Chester C. Cummings. You could get lost in all the rooms if you weren't careful. All I need out of a home is a bed. Nobody ever accuses Rock Handy of being extravagant. I can't even keep a one-bedroom flat tidy. But I suppose that's why Cummings and his wife have a live-in maid. Her name is Dolores Blanco. And this morning, as she does every morning, she's getting the lord of the manor his tea. Sir, it's time for your morning tea. I have your paper. Hmm. Three sea oil strike, a slippery slope. Oh, dear. This strike will be the death of him. For heaven's sake, did you fall asleep in your chair again? 
Now, now, sir, are you playing at your game again? Well, you can't drink your tea slumped over like that. And two! There we go. What? What is this? Strawberry jam all over your new smoking jacket. I thought your wife said no more late night snacking. I... No. No, this is... This is blood! It's a slow Monday morning at the office. In Large Neck, people spend the weekends drinking and carousing until somebody takes it too far. Come Monday morning, I get a call, or should I say we? Handy and Salmon Puppet Investigations. I'm Rock Handy, and my partner, the dapper fellow at the desk with the sweater vest on, is Nicolio Salmon, or Nick's for short. We're the best PPIs in town. No case is too big or too small. As long as it's puppet-related, of course. Problem is, it must have been a slow weekend, because by 10 a.m., we've resorted to guessing games to pass the time. Ah, Edgar Bergen, of course. Come on, Nix, give me something a little less obvious. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, let's see, uh, a little shuffle-flop. Uh, Freddy R. Finkel. Right. Trash Can Polly. Uh, okay, that would be the inimitable Sandy Trench. Yeah, all right. Uh, this one'll stump you for sure. Whistling Willie McDougal. Trick question. Floyd and Fred Wimsley. Boy, you really know your ventriloquists. According to my notes, a couple of these guys have been dead for over 40 years. Yeah, well, it's important to know puppet history. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Hmm. Condemned to repeat it. Say, I like that. Who said it? How should I know? Some dead guy. Did you know that the art of ventriloquism goes back to the dawn of civilization? The ancient Greeks called it gastromancy. Interesting. Gastro, like the stomach, and mancy... Uh, that means magician. Magician? Ha <laughs> ha! No! Ah, no way. Quists and magicians are about as, as far apart as you can get, like cats and dogs, fire and water, or cabbage and... Excuse me, uh, I'm looking for our Handy and Blast puppet investigations. Uh, it's Handy and Salmon now. I should update that advertisement. I'm Rock Handy, this is my partner, Nicolio Salmon. Say, what's with the monkey suit, anyway? Uh, you going to a funeral? Yes, actually. But not until tomorrow, sir. I am to give this letter to you from my employer. And who is your employer? Mrs. Patience Cummings, sir. Oh, Cummings. That name sounds familiar. Dear sir and madam, I wish to retain your services involving a matter of utmost discretion involving my recently deceased husband, Chester C. Cummings. Enclosed, you will find a retaining fee of... Holy crow! Uh, blah, blah, my driver, Mr. Overtone, will provide a means of egress to... Sincerely, Mrs. Patience Cummings. Okay, and uh, you are Mr. Overtone. Overtone. So, you're going to drive us to this uh, Miss Cummings dame. Yes, sir. And she's having a problem with mean egrets? Not, not exactly, sir. All right. Wait, wait a second. Does this involve puppets? Yes. It's, um, delicate matter, sir. My employer will inform you of the details. 42 Ascot Place. East side. Not a lot of quists can afford to live out there. What gives? I'm merely the driver, sir. All right, all right, all right. We get it. Name, rank, and serial number. 
Grab your hat, Butternut. Let's go see how the other half lives. Willis drives like he talks. Carefully, and you can't tell where he's going. As we cross the bifurcate bridge into East Neck, all the rat-filled alleys and run-down flats are replaced by manicured lawns and three-story mansions. You see, Large Neck is cut down the middle by the Plateau River, dividing the halves from the can't-afford-to-halves. Overridge takes a turn onto what I thought was a side street, but it turns out to be an enormous driveway. Cummings Place looks more like a castle. It has an evil look about it, rising out of the trees like a wolf about to pounce, or a squirrel about to pounce. Huh, this place looks more like a hotel. Is that a swimming pool? There's a lot of old money on this side of the river. The other side is where these highfalutin types dump their trash. I bet you a pretty penny Undertone here sleeps in a cot under the stairs. Oh, I am quartered on the premises, sir. As are all the servants. Servants? More than one? Oh, yes, yes, sir. Please. The butler, Lawrence, will show you in. Miss Cummings is waiting. Good day, sirs. I am Mr. Lawrence Livermore, Mrs. Cummings' personal manservant. Welcome to Cummings Manor. Please follow me. Mrs. Cummings is most anxious to speak with you. Mrs. Cummings will see you shortly. Make yourselves comfortable. Would either of you care for some tea? No, thanks. I'll have a coffee. Lawrence, can I call you Lawrence? Of course. I'll check with the kitchen. I take it black. Uh, With cream and sugar. Boy, these are some pretty fancy digs. Suppose they read all these books. This waiting room is bigger than my whole apartment. Ah... I've never been in a house with an inside birdbath. I'm pretty sure that's an ashtray. I snoop a bit while I'm waiting for the grieving widow and take a peek out of a servant's entrance. Some lumberjack type who I take to be the gardener is standing by a wheelbarrow full of flowers with who could only be the lady herself. They're either playing kissy face or comparing wrestling moves. I close the door quietly before they come up for air. Little did I know that while I was watching them pick out posies, Lawrence had crept up behind me, quiet as a squirrel. Your coffee, Ah! sir! Where... where did you... Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for accepting my invitation on such short notice. She's dressed all in white, but don't look that innocent. In the time since I saw her and the gardener billing and cooing, she's managed to squeeze out a few crocodile tears. It's a good show, but I ain't falling for it. I can't say the same for my partner, though. Oh, no trouble. Uh, no trouble at all, miss. Ma'am. Uh, but you can uh, call me Nix. <laughs> I mean to say, I, I'm I'm so glad to meet you. I'm... But you can call me... I'm Nicole Lady Salmon. Cummings, I resume. I'm Rock Handy. Patience Cummings. I'm not used to dealing with men in your line of work. I suppose I will tell you my situation, and then we can proceed from there. I trust you will be discreet. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, We're professionals. Very discreet. Well, I... Yesterday morning, my husband... My jester... He... (laughs) Are you all right? Butler, we need a cold towel. My goodness, madam, you're trembling. Hey, Larry... Make a scotch and soda, would you? And hold the soda. Mr. Handy, sir, I... Come on, chop, chop! Oh, easy does it. Have a seat, ma'am. Okay, okay, Butternut, give her some air. This is Cummings. Uh, Patience? May I call you Patience? Yes. All right, Patty, start at the beginning. Here's the drink you requested. I'm afraid all we had was Irish whiskey. I'll take that. All right, go ahead. Oh, and Larry, how about a glass of cold water? Certainly. Well, as you know, my husband Chester was found dead yesterday morning. Murdered in that very chair. Not to be insensitive, but has the coroner determined the cause of death? How do you know? 
It was murder. I... I... The police were here. He had a knife in his chest. That's an important clue. And a rope around his neck. And a rope? Huh. Seems like overkill. Mm, your husband, Chester. He was a ventriloquist, am I right? How did you... It's my job to know. Now the whole story. It's complicated, Mr. Handy. Well, that's why we're here. Very well. As you are aware, ventriloquism is frowned upon in proper society. My husband dabbled in the trade as a hobby. He could quit whenever he wanted to, mind you, but... That's what they all say. You see, Mr. Handy, my husband enjoyed the company of other quists, if you get my meaning. That is to say, he thought of himself as a puppet. Wait, are you saying your husband was a puppet? No, Mr. Salmon. He was a man, just like you, but at times, when he was home, the servants and I would do things for him. What sort of things? All manner of things. The sort of things men like. Eating, drinking, brushing his teeth. It was only a few things at first. I would move his hands around for emphasis while he was talking, or pretend to make his eyebrows go up and down, but after a while... He would hardly move at all on his own. He wouldn't even talk to me unless... Yeah, go on. Unless? He was sitting on someone's lap. And they had their hand up his shirt. <laughs> Please, borrow my handkerchief. Thank you. Someone... Someone was blackmailing my husband. Photographs, eh? That's quite a top hat. They must have been standing right outside this window. Is that some kind of duck costume? It's, uh, upside down, Butternut. What? Ah. Oh, boy. Okay. A package arrived with these photos, along with a demand for $2,000 or they would be published in the paper. My husband refused to pay. He said he wouldn't be bullied. Well, he made me say it for him. If these got out, why, I just couldn't bear the shame. What was your husband's line of work, ma'am? Oil. He inherited the family business. He never really had to do much, just a few phone calls. The business ran itself, really. It left him plenty of idle time for his dalliances. Of course, 3C Oil. That's why your name seems familiar. There was a story in the papers this morning. Some kind of strike at the refinery owned by C.C. Cummings. I had no idea there was crude oil in Large Neck. It's not crude oil, it's tongue. Wood finish. All the quists in West Large Neck depend on a reliable supply of tongue oil for their dummies. Isn't that right, Mrs. Cummings? Why, I... Sure, oil prices go up one day, then the next a puppet show has to charge a dollar more to make up for it. It's just numbers on this side of the river. A profit margin on a ledger. But on the other side of the bridge, it's people. Real flesh and blood. You got kids not even out of short pants shucking oysters in the cannery district so their quist dad can afford to touch up the oil paint on his dummy's face. And while the gentry up here are sipping champagne and eating finger sandwiches like they was growing on trees, back in West Neck some poor slob has to pull a double shift just to pay for a coat of varnish on his second-hand dummy. Then go and perform four shows a night for tips to feed his kids for one more day. Why, Mr. Handy, I... Save it, Blondie. We'll take the case and we'll find out who killed your husband. And figure out who's blackmailing you. I assume you talked to the cops? Yes. Yesterday, after... I I didn't tell them about the blackmail. Mr. Handy, Mr. Salmon, I must ask you to please excuse me. I'm still distraught from the events of yesterday. I expect you have more questions for me. Please, I'll need to resume tomorrow after I've had some rest. It's all so terrible. Of course.
Patsy was hiding something, and Chester's puppet play put a kink in the rope. When I saw her with the gardener, I figured this case was going to be a cinch. But as we watch her make her exit, I know in my gut that she did not kill Chester. I would have had a hard time convincing my partner of her guilt anyway, judging by the way his eyes were leaving the room with her. I'm suddenly yanked back into the here and now as the butler again silently appears behind me. Your water, <laughs> sir. What are you, you... You wearing slippers? No, sir. Will there be anything else? No. Just the check, please. Uh, here's a little something for you, Lawrence. Thank you. I am grateful. <laughs> Your car is here, gentlemen. Wow, what a looker. And she's recently single. What do you think, Rock? Somebody should tie a bell to that guy. Underton drops us off at the police station. What a dump. It looks worse than when I worked here, and that's saying something. I make a mental note to buy the chief a can of paint and a broom. Nix keeps going on about the Cummings Dame, but I ain't got the time. My mind is elsewhere. If tongue oil is the blood of Largeneck, then Chester Cummings must be the heart. So what does that make patience? Gallbladder? This case was getting more tangled by the second. As I step out onto the curb, I hear a voice like fingernails on a corkboard. According to my nose, unless it was a three-day-old tuna on rye having a conversation just inside the doorway, it must be Aloysius Risotto, LNPD's resident Big Mouth. When I was on the force, we were partners for all of about three hours before I had to push his face in. <laughs> he never met a man he didn't dislike, especially Quists. <laughs> so then I says, Sure would be a shame if something would have happened to your dummy. That wood looks pretty flammable. Well, that was all it took. Those trillos started singing like canaries. <laughs> well, well. If it ain't Reginald, puppet pal, handy. Never thought I'd see you back here, trillo. What happened? Somebody kidnap a puppet? Afternoon, Al. They still can't find a hat small enough to fit you, I see. Reginald? That's right. <laughs> Reginald Handy. You should ask him what his middle name is. Why, you all, I'll, I'll give you a middle name, you... All right, all right, break it up, you two. Come on, take your best shot, Rocky. I'd love to see you behind bars. I can never tell if you're talking or breaking wind. I said that's enough. One more word out of you, Al, and you'll be walking a beaten cannery row. Now scram. I shouldn't have let that pinhead get under my skin, but old habits are hard to break. I wish I could have gotten at least one punch in before the chief pulled us apart. Chief Blonson Williams. He was the only reason I stayed on the force as long as I did. Get down there and sort out those strikers like I told you. Why you gotta come down here and stir things up, Rocky? We got enough trouble with those knuckleheads striking down at 3C. Trouble? Trouble? What kind of trouble? Oh, those boys got a beef with management. They're marching in front of the gates day and night and they don't want no scabs coming in. A couple of guys got roughed up and a puppet got smashed. Then 3C sent some goons in to try and break them up, so now we gotta keep our guys down there 24-7. Sounds like a lot of bad blood between workers and management. Afternoon, Nicolio. So, what are you two dicks doing down here? We're working for Mrs. Cummings. Her husband woke up dead yesterday. What do you guys got on it? Not here, okay? the Shinola this weekend. Sure wish somebody would take me. I haven't seen a good puppet show in a long time. Ah, uh, sure, Stace. Yeah, I'll, I'll call ya. In here, boys. You still owe me that ventriloquism lesson, Rocky. Listen, Rock, that Cummings dame is bad news. We're waiting for the autopsy to come back, but I lay odds that she offed old man Cummings. She'll never be charged, though. What makes you say that? You didn't hear this from me. 
Mayor Jennifer is leaning on me pretty good to bust up this little strike, and if he finds out I helped you, he might take it the wrong way. The Cummings estate has friends in high places. Sure, sure, I see how it is. Thanks, Chief. By the way, she mentioned a knife. And a rope. Like I said, we're waiting on the autopsy results, but there was a knife in his chest with the initial CC carved into it. Figured it must be his, Chester Cummings. Now do me a favor and beat it before you stir up a hornet's nest. Yoo-hoo, Rocky! Hmm. You know what? Let's use the back exit. Stay away from the 3C plant, it's a powder keg. Hey, Brock, why are we sneaking out the back? That Stacy Dame's got a screw loose. Puppets, that's all she ever talks about. She must have dated every quist in town. Back when Jerry and I were performing together, she wanted to set up a double date at the drive-in. With her sister, no less. How would that even work with Jerry and her sister in the back seat? I only got two hands. Well, I'm sure I don't. I'd have to practically be a contortionist. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, you sure are popular around here. What's that troglodyte Al's problem? He sure don't like you very much. Huh, besides being dumb as a fence post? Well, the story goes Aloysius's brother Vincenzo was killed by a dummy. Lord Lumpy was the largest dummy ever carved on the West Coast. Over 300 pounds of the finest hardwood. Seems he was being relocated to a museum upstate, and these piano movers was lowering him from a fifth-story apartment window. Story goes, the rope snapped. Seems Vincenzo was walking past on the sidewalk below at that very moment. Talk about bad timing. Anyhow, now Al hates everything puppet-related. It'd be sad, really, if he weren't such a fathead. None of that matters now. We need to beat that flatfoot to the refinery and see what the word is on the front line. He said something about your middle name back there. Hmm? Yeah, forget about that. It's nothing. Nothing. take a cab to the 3C refinery, and when we arrive, there's around two dozen workers with picket signs marching in front of the gates. I recognize a part-time quist I know standing away from all the hubbub, and we make our way over to him. Well, they really shut this place down. We better make this quick. When Aloysius gets here, things could get ugly. Say, is that a ventriloquist dummy that guy is carrying? Sure, yeah, that's Harold Drisby. His stage name is Harry Gams. He's a good guy and a decent quist. A lot of quists work the day shift here and moonlight at the Shinola. Whatever you gotta do to make ends meet, I guess. The dummy, he's Wee Willie. Him I don't trust. Hits the sauce a little too hard. The dummy? Shh, let me do the talking. Ah, what's shaking, boys? Why, if it isn't rock handy. Been a while. Good to see you again, Harry. We. <coughs> Grab a sign, boys. We're on a break. Union rules, don't you know? Say, Harry, what's the deal? Cummings not treating you boys well? Cummings? <laughs> Cummings? He's been phoning it in for years. His guy's got us doing 16 hours a day, no breaks. I ain't been paid in a month. Oglesby got his leg caught in an oil press last week, and they didn't shut it down for a second. He's almost worked himself free. He's very tenacious, that Oglesby. Have you heard anyone making threats toward Chester Cummings? Threats? Who's this beanpole? Say, what's this all about, Handy? Well, are you a cu-a-cu-a-cu-what-I-do? Wait a minute. That fellow over there, it's the chauffeur from the estate. Nah, that's just a mailbox. No, to the left of the mailbox. That fellow with the bright yellow sign. 3C. The C stand for crummy. Wait a second. I know that guy. What's his name? Overalls. Yeah, that's it. And next to him, that's the gardener I saw slobbering all over patients earlier. Slobbering? You mean he and she... Yeah, wouldn't you know it. Before we can get over to him, 
Al and his goon squad appears in a paddy wagon. Half a dozen cops pile out like clowns out of a toy car at the circus. Break time's over, boys. <laughs> All right, fellas, bases are loaded. Better up. Except with nightsticks instead of seltzer water. Strikers scatter all over the place and we jump in the back of Harry's old pickup truck and make tracks. Nix and I are in the bed keeping our heads down when I notice Wee Willie watching us from the rear window. His face is screwed up against the glass, drinking us in with those beady little crossed eyes. I pull my collar up in case he can read lips. We better call it a day for now and let the dust settle. You and I need to have a talk with Patience and her staff in the morning. Looks like we have a couple of prime suspects. Nix is lost in thought, maybe taking Patience off that pedestal he built for her. Or maybe like me, trying to put all these pieces together. Tongue oil, striking workers, servants. At least Wee Willie seems to be having a good time. I let him watch my back for the rest of the ride. I didn't get much sleep that night. Couldn't get Patience Cummings out of my head. Everything points to her guilt in her husband's murder. After all, she stands to inherit a lot of dough. My head says she's guilty, but my gut says otherwise. I usually try not to trust my head, but gut's also telling me I forgot to eat last night. I indulge myself to a side trip to Plotsky's Sausage and pick up a smoked kielbasa and a coffee. I eat it on the way to pick up my partner. I start to get the meat sleep, but the coffee helps to clear the cobwebs. Nix is out in front waiting as I pull up in the torpedo. He gives me a morning as he climbs in, carrying a handful of daisies. He's trying to act casual, but he's changed from his usual sweater vest to a white suit without a tie. He says it's the latest fashion. I'd sooner walk around with no pants than go without a tie. But say love you. Seems like Patience is back on that pedestal. Luckily, the trip to the manor is brief, because Nix must have doused himself with half a bottle of cologne. I park the car by the side of the road, and we walk the long driveway to the mansion. The walk'll do me good, and I need the fresh air. I spot Lawrence about fifty feet out, and make a point to keep my eye on him. Are all butlers this stealthy? I make a mental note to get to the library and do some research. Good morning, gentlemen. Madam informed me that you were arriving. Thanks, Lawrence. Please make yourselves comfortable. Would you like some reading material? No, thanks. I, I'm not thirsty. Say, I, I, I brought these for patience. Uh, that is Mrs. Cummings. I mean, Miss, I guess, Cummings. Well, I, I brought these. Do you have a vase? Of course, sir. May I get you anything, Mr. Handy? Nah, I'm swell. You just go on about your business. Uh, nice shoes you got there. As you wish, sir. I will return presently with your vase, Mr. Salmon. Spirit of Solomon! He's quiet as a ghost. Something about those shoes, maybe. Could be felt on the on the soles. I keep my eye on Larry until he's gone. Nix keeps pacing back and forth with his droopy flowers like an expectant father. I decide to give the murder chair a going over, and bingo. I find a folded up note down the side of one cushion. Hmm. It's a suicide note. Seems Chester may not have been murdered after all. Hmm. Written in pencil with Lots of crossed-out words. Looks like a first draft. Let's see. Finally, the puppeteer is becoming the puppet. At long last, I am going to my great reward and will take the final step to become a ventriloquist dummy. Dummy? Dummy is right. What a bassoon. Chester C. Cummings, Large Neck's prodigal son, Wealthiest man in town snuffs himself so he can do three shows a night at the Shinola Lounge. 
Don't forget the matinee on Saturday. None of this makes a lick of sense. Who commits suicide by stabbing himself in the chest and... What about that rope? Was that his backup plan? <sighs> I hear patients opening the door and I decide to stash the note. Good morning, boys. I thought this might interest you. It belonged to my husband. Patience is dressed in riding pants and carrying a whip and a dummy. A dummy that looks exactly like her deceased husband in miniature. Nick seems confused and droops a bit like his bouquet. My heart does a double take. A beautiful dame and a puppet is a dangerous combination. I try to speak, but I seem to have lost my voice. She has the upper hand and she knows it. When Lawrence sneaks up behind me, I almost take a swing at him. I'll take those flowers, Mr. Salmon. Sure, uh, I hope you like daisies. Uh, what's with the dummy? He belonged to Chester, I believe. Am I right, Mrs. Cummings? Why, yes. This is... Let me guess. Lester. But how did you know? Simple deduction. Let's see. Hand-carved. A custom job all around. Basswood, looks like. Finished with tongue oil, of course. Do you throw, Mrs. Cummings? I beg your pardon? Throw your voice. Ventriloquy. I'm sure you've had your share of practice with Chester. Hey, go easy. Yes. Yes. I can throw. And you won't mind if I ask Lester a few questions. Sure. Fire away, big guy. Where were you two nights ago? Locked away in my trunk, as usual. A dummy gets lonely, you know. It ain't fair what Chester did. Peoples are peoples, not puppets. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Mr. Cummings took your job, and then the gardener took his. Isn't that right, Lester? Oh, boy, did he? You should have heard those two going at it. That's enough. What is your point, Mr. Handy? A woman has needs. Needs that can't be satisfied by a puppet. I'm a human being, and I'm not a murderer, if that's what you're getting at. Not at all. But I would like to talk to this gardener. What's his name, anyway? His name is Claude. He's not in today. He has Tuesdays off. What about Overton? We have a few questions for him. He didn't show up for work this morning. A friend of his called and said that he was in bed with the flu. Did you know that they're both moonlighting at the 3C refinery? Of course. She was good. I detected a little lip movement on the P's and M's, but the pull-off position is notoriously difficult. We talk to the maid and the butler, but come up empty. Nick suggests that we look around outside to see if there were any clues. We find some fresh footprints in the dirt around the side of the house. Work boots. The tracks look pretty fresh. Maybe only an hour old. The trees are filled with squirrels, and I start feeling a little paranoid, like we're being watched. Suddenly, I hear stone sliding on stone from above, and I act even before I realize what's happened. Knocking Nick's out of the way, moments before a stone gargoyle crashes to the ground where he was standing seconds before. Oh, I thought my time was up. That weren't no squirrel. Look! Through the glare of the afternoon sun, we spot a figure jump down from the roof and dash toward a hedgerow. We charge after him right into a neatly trimmed hedge maze. I'm running so hard I don't notice which way the shadowy figure goes, and I pick a path. Soon I'm alone and disoriented. I remember something about a maze, a string and a moose from Greek mythology, but all I have in my pocket is a half-eaten kielbasa. I hear something bristling in the shrub on my right. I polish off the sausage and put up my dukes. Rock, there you are. I lost him. Same footprints, though. Look. Hmm. Work boots again. Good for gardening. Now we better find the exit or we'll have to spend the night here. Uh, it's right behind you. I'm pretty sure you just ran in a circle. Come on, let's have a look at that statue. He meant to kill us. Hmm. Uh, this is odd. What is it? Some kind of liquid on here. Tongue oil. Whoever pushed this over was covered in tongue oil. If you're covered in tongue oil, it would stand to reason that, that you're... you're just getting off your shift at the refinery. I was going to say that you must be a ventriloquist, dummy. But your idea makes even more sense. Uh, 
Let's get out of here before any more statues fall on us. The next morning I get off to a late start. I finally get a good night's sleep and when I wake up it all becomes clear. The oil, the striking workers, the dame, even the dummy. All the pieces come together. Nix is already at the office with a freshly brewed pot of java. Salmon and Handy PPI, Nicolio speaking. Oh, hello, Chief Williams. Nicolio, how are you? Um, I'm just swell. Finally getting a chance to do some proper alphabetizing of these files. Say, any word on the coroner's report on Cummings' case? Exactly why I'm calling. According to the report, Chester Cummings died of natural causes. Hmm. <coughs> what? What? Wait a second. You're telling me... What about the knife and the... and the rope? Apparently all that was post-mortem, three hours or more after he was already dead. Seems he had a heart attack. Uh, none of this makes any sense. Yeah, but it makes my job a lot easier. It's no longer a murder case. Well, confound it. Say, listen, Chief. Before you go, I was wondering... What's Rock's middle name? Ah, come on, Nicolio. Oh, I gotta know, Chief. What is it? Marion? Poindexter? <laughs> all right, all right. It's Merlin. But you didn't hear it from me. Merlin? What's so bad about that? Are you kidding? Merlin? Like the magician? Ah, oh, I forgot. You're not from around here. Listen, kid. Here in Large Neck, we have two sides to everything. We got West Neck and the East Side. Blue Collar and Upper Crust. Quists and magicians. And never the twain shall meet. Magicians and quists don't mix. Get it? Merlin, huh? Yeah, sure. I, I suppose that kind of makes sense. I'll talk to you later, Chief. Thanks for the information. Hasta Lorando, partner. Ah, coffee. Here, take a look at this. This morning's daily flume. Large neck fish canners day parade flounders. Yeah, so? Below that. Local chauffeur and refinery worker Willis Overton found dead in Plotwa Park. Says here he was stabbed in the chest. Rock, I just got off the phone with Blonson. He died of, get this, natural causes. That's what I figured. That's what you, What? How would you know that? Grab your hat, Butternut. I already called Mrs. Cummings and told her we're on our way over. I'll fill you in when we get there. I don't want to have to explain this twice. It's complicated. When we arrive at the palace, Lawrence greets us at the door. Patience has all the servants assembled inside the drawing room, just as I requested. With one notable exception, of course. Overton. On account of him being dead. Hey, uh, Larry. How about some more of that hooch from before and make it a double? Ah, oh, on second thought, just bring the whole bottle. This might take a while. Of course, sir. Ahem. <clears throat> As we all know, your, uh, uh, master, Chester C. Cummings, was found dead on Saturday morning around 6 a.m. by the maid, Dolores Blanco. Now, Dolores was used to Chester just lying around. Isn't that right, Dolores? So, she didn't notice anything unusual at first and proceeded to serve him his tea until she noticed that he was covered in blood and had a knife sticking out of his chest and a frayed rope around his neck. Everybody still with me? Okay. Where were we? So, she screams bloody murder, which in this case seems completely appropriate. But was it? Well? You see, the problem is, Chester was already dead when he was murdered. Exhibit A. I found this suicide note in his chair. He'd been planning his death for some time, it seems, as part of his complete transformation into a ventriloquist dummy. 
Thing is, he never finished writing it because he had a fatal heart attack. His puppet act, the photos, his striking workers, all the stress had finally gotten to him. You see, certain people were blackmailing him, and he had discovered their identity. Uh, Mrs. Cummings, if I may, what was Chester's middle name? It, it was Carbuncles. Car, Carbuncle? His middle name was Carbuncle. Uh, never mind. It doesn't matter. My point is that his initials are CCC. 3C Refinery. 3C Tongue Oil. The knife they pulled from his chest was initialed CC. It didn't hit me until this morning. That wasn't his knife. That knife belonged to the... God, Copley! The gardener! Both of you got it right. The gardener. No, look out! The gardener! He has a shovel! Claude takes a swing at me with the spade, but I duck instinctively at the last second, lose my footing, and go sprawling onto the floor. At least I get to keep my head. He grabs patience and holds the shovel to her throat while he backs toward the door. Nobody make any sudden moves. Claude, how could you? Quiet! You got nothing on me, gumshoe? That old fool was already dead. The murder of Willis Overton? Extortion? An attempted murder? Not to mention the dried tongue oil on that statue you tried to drop on me as a great set of your prince, I'd wager. We've got plenty on you. Oh, and now kidnapping. Don't forget kidnapping. Uh-huh. Good point. Let's add that one, too. Anyone else got- Shut up! All of you! I'm glad that sniveling old worm, Chester, is dead. I'm sick of working two jobs night and day just to scrape by while a privileged pair of idiots puts on a pretend puppet show every night and try to figure out new ways to spend their money. You know what? Maybe I should finish the job. I realized too late that he had given up on the idea of escaping and meant to kill poor Patience. I couldn't get off the floor and to him in time. Suddenly, I noticed Lawrence silently rise up behind Claude and smash a whiskey bottle over his head. Nix and I run over to tackle him, but he's already out cold. I can't say he didn't deserve it, but part of me wishes things could have worked out differently. According to that label, it was a 12-year-old single malt. Well, that would be Blonson's boys. Better late than never, I suppose. Another slow Monday morning at the office. I can't complain too much. Patience Cummings is stopping by with a nice fat check, and Nix's coffee is top-notch. Okay, I, I'm still a little fuzzy on all this. Why did Claude kill Overton again? Ah, near as I can figure it, the driver, Overalls, wanted to come clean once he realized he didn't really kill Chester. The two of them had a disagreement in the park. Some people just don't work well together. I wouldn't know. So that's another case closed. Now we can get back to the important work. It was your turn to ask the questions. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Let's see. Okay. All right. What's a scullery maid? Uh, that would be, uh, an assistant maid. Check. Uh, okay. Major Domo. Uh, it's a head butler or... The head of the household. Correct. Now, what is a butler? A butler. A manservant like Lawrence. Yeah, here's something a little funny. I did a bit of reading about this. The word butler comes from the old French botelier, which was the officer in charge of the king's bottles of booze. <laughs> yeah, sure, that checks out. Larry was quite an expert with that whiskey bottle. And quiet as a ghost... Oh, that must be patience. Good morning, gentlemen. Ma'am? Uh, Lester? Howdy, boys! I wanted to thank you personally. Your check. I'll take that. I also got you these gifts. This is for you, Mr. Handy. Why, thank you. Irish whiskey single malt. Hi. Say, uh, Lawrence isn't with you, is he? He's taken over as driver until I can hire someone. He's out in the car. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I see him. I'm just gonna keep looking out this window until you leave. Carry on. And this is for you, Nicolio. Aw, oh, gee. Thanks. Huh. A bow tie? It belonged to Chester. I noticed you didn't have a tie the other day when you came calling. Every man should own a tie. Well, thank you. It's very nice. Goodbye, gentlemen. And thank you again. Yeah, so long, fellas! Guess I'm Lord of the Manor now! Woohoo! And that was it. What a great episode. I'm glad I found it. Yeah, it, I like I said, I think we should celebrate the fact that it exists, even if we had to wait a very long time yeah, to know what, that it exists. 60 years. And the six months that was missing in your house yeah. and under your laundry. But I should look in that box again, huh? I'm glad that it's a standalone episode because, to me, I'm getting a lot of anxiety over Stand this. Standalone? Yeah. The Is that Sylvester? Stan? No, no, no. That it... it it has the Stand beginning, alone. The beginning oh, middle, and end. Edit that out. The beginning, middle, and end is all contained within the same episode because right. we have our missing parts. I don't want to get started on that again, but the just briefly, the Sourpuss 2 and 3 out there, if you're listening and you haven't looked yet, you haven't asked at the radio stations, we're still missing Sourpuss Sour Part 2 and Part 3, and I saw her lips move Part 2. Okay, yeah, so, I remember that one. Um, yeah. All right, so... Well, what'd you think? I mean, you thought it was... Uh, I thought it was good. Yeah. I made some, a few notes. Uh, jam or jelly, I have written here. Um, what now? Uh, I don't know what I meant by that. I just wrote it down. Jam or jelly. Um, oh, it would be interesting to find out who did say you condemned to repeat it. Is that a, that's that a real a thing quote? That sounds like a real quote. I think yeah. it might be. Uh, but the reoccurring theme of the two sides of Large Neck, the city of Large Neck, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the rich side, which I think was the east side, yes. and then the poor people side, which was the west on the other side of the river, the Pl- Plouton, Plout, Plutwa River. Plutwa. Plutwa. So that river, they, they were separate, and there was the butlers and the whole thing about unionizing. Uh, so this was uh, post-war, so... I guess there was... Um, I think a, you're reading your notes too fast because you're not really drunk, completing any thought there. puppet on here. Oh, Did you think it was uh, a kinky episode? I mean, it was like the whole bit where the the murder victim had been pretending to be a puppet and his wife had to like set him on her lap and... How was that kinky? Well, I mean, she said... The way she spoke about it, she was in, she seemed to be embarrassed, as though socially that wasn't acceptable then. I don't know if it'd be acceptable now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that was part of the whole thing. She didn't want the secret out. Puppets. That's why it was more of a mystery. And here's the thing I don't get is that Rock seemed to solve this case. Like, has that happened yet? Doesn't he, doesn't he solve all the cases? Well, it's usually Nick's, like, Nick's gets the original... Like oh, intuition. Okay, I see what you're and saying. And then Rock helps a little bit, but mostly he he doesn't piece it together. Yeah, it seemed, Nick seemed a bit distracted on this one. Yeah, which I thought was I thought was perhaps a little bit you know a little strong that he was going after a recently widowed woman. I mean, I, I he may have had new writers. Yeah, um, d- I did like Stacy, the YooHoo character. I thought she was somebody who they should bring back. Which one was she? The one who said "Yoo-hoo." Oh, the one in the police station. Yeah. Yoo-hoo, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was kind of annoying. And, well, it kind of hinted at the fact that Rock has these, I guess, uh, hangers on or, or uh, admirers. Yeah. He was well enough regarded in, in his day as a ventriloquist that these, at least, you'd call them groupies today or maybe you'd call them groupies in the 1970s yeah i don't know what you'd call them uh yeah do you suppose that's true do you suppose people who do ventriloquism actually have like real life yeah yeah like there would be certain females that are attracted to that and they have to kind of go through well that's what they allude to i mean do you think they just dreamed it up because he said she dated all these no all the quists in town. No, I don't think it's it's something you would advertise if you're looking to pick up women. 
it's the opposite of that. You know, both both protagonists are deeply flawed. I think I really, really hit home in this episode. Both of the puppets? Because I wrote down there's two puppets. There's a... The first one... The protagonists is... are the, the main characters. That would be Rock and Mix. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about right, But you think the puppets are flawed? Uh, well, one was a drunk. That's and true. And the other That's one true. was kind of uh, foul-mouthed. Oh, I said the wrong thing. <laughs> well, I thought if we recorded it at my place, we wouldn't have the gardener interrupting. But uh, now we've got uh, growling Sparky. I appreciate you using a pseudonym so nobody knows. Oh, what's his real, real name? name? Oh, I get it. Yes, that's what I was doing. Uh, I also wrote down that there's more notes in here. That seems to be that's a yes. big trope. They have notes, cabbages, uh, monkeys. What's the other thing? And Rock was successful in reading this note. Do you think that might be like what they're going after? That if he can read the note, he can solve the case? <laughs> he can just get through the note, read it from start to finish, yeah. clearly. They might be building to something bigger. Like I say, I think he's he's very competent, but that the war injury or something uh, else is going on. But now he has a drinking problem a little bit himself. Maybe that was the whole thing is that he was bothered by Wee Willie because he himself ha- hits the bottle too often. Uh, I think you're reading into it there. Well, now let's think about it. He, so he's getting he's getting hammered trying to solve the case, and he does right. Like does this he? is this is the first episode where I think Rock did serious drinking. What? He just had a glass of whiskey. Yeah, it was a pretty sizable glass because it had changed his his voice. Well, we, we don't want to get into semantics. Oh, I have another note. At the very end, the pup, the other puppet, the one with the foul mouth, Lester. Mm. Foul mouth? I just got that feeling. Like he was just on the cusp. Uh, he said, and I couldn't understand it, um, the very last line, he said... I'm Lauda Lamana. What did that mean to you? Oh. I am Lauda Lamana. Lord of the Manor, I think, is what he said. I'm the Lord of the Manor now. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. But so he was voiced by the widow, right? Okay. And did you notice Nick seems to be turned off by women using ventriloquism? Yeah, he doesn't like puppetry in his, whatever you call that, boudoir. And yet Rock, that's like the yeah, only that thing that be... wakes him up. That's true. Yeah. So see, I think there's a... Do you suppose the audience at the time thought this is a kinky show? You know, like maybe uh, it's controversial maybe. in a way? You wouldn't want to advertise that kind of stuff. Well, it's funny you should say that because I made a note. I was like, they keep changing sponsors as though... I don't know if that was... It seems like yeah, you would have the same... Flow. You'd have the same sponsor, like they had the Colgate Hour for some TV uh-huh. show for yep. years and years. Like you wanted yourself right. associated with a particular show, but it seems almost like they, or could they maybe have had so many people wanting to get sponsorship, they kept trading mm, it off. And Could be. What was the know. one they had with the shoe shine? Shinola. Shinola, yeah. yeah sponsored by Shinola. Mm-hmm. This one was uh, Satin Flow. Satin Flome, I thought. Go. But I don't know what phloem would be. I kept hearing them say the uh, word phloem. Phloem? Yeah. I think that's a like a silly putty kind of thing. It's now. I wonder if it's a real product. Flowgate. Flowgate. Well, a we real, have real... all the time in the world to look that up. We could have done that before we did this <laughs> recording. Yeah. Or you can edit that in. Let's so here's I'll the space. Here's the space. Satin phloem is or is not a real product, Matt. Is all right. Um, I was a little concerned about the the grandstanding speech that Rock did. I mean, I know that like they'll slide into advertisements every once in a while, but he does this grand like political speech about tongue oil and the workers and, oh, and yeah. the, the upper crust and how the lower kids, you know, the lower people at the lower tier don't have the rights and everybody's. It's it felt very much like a union organizing. Yeah, like like. You understand why people were put on a blacklist because they were so. It's not being racist. Well, in the 1940s and early 50s, if the writers had communist leanings, they were blacklisted because people felt that they were trying to politically influence the country. Mm-hmm. And it seems like 
this is one of those cases where maybe they had a left-leaning writer who says, I'm going to give Rock this speech about the... T-. It's already well, maybe about... Maybe the writer was bl- uh, blacklisted, and they, they brought him in and called him something else and gave him a job. And this is what he wrote. We should probably just change the subject because it's... Yeah, we don't know who's listening. All right, so yeah, this that's probably a sign to both of us that's... Yeah, we've come to an end of another hour of Puppet Hunt. I am so glad that you've been listening. If you have, this is Blaine and Matt. You've been listening to Puppet, Puppet Hunt, Hunt. Radio. Puppet Hunt Radio. With Matt and Lane. Tune in next week. Well, we won't have a show next week. That's... <laughs>